When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Player Profiler Nation? It's Maddie Kiwoom. This is the latest episode of Blue Chips. This is where Destiny, Destiny, I guess Destiny, but I was thinking more of Devi. This is where Devi and Dynasty, is that Destiny? Is Devi and Dynasty Destiny? I don't know. I'm already off the rails. 30 seconds into the intro and I'm already off the rails. That's the type of episode it is. And my brain's going crazy. And I'll explain why here in a minute. But I'm at a key room. This is Blue Chips where Devi meets Dynasty. And we look at it through the lens of college football. Getting you familiar with the Saturday stars that will be Sunday stars before you know it. And the reason why I'm so scatterbrained, the reason why I'm so excited is simply because last week or this week, whenever you're tuning in, was the practices and the game, uh, the all-star events, the Shrine Bowl, East-West Shrine Bowl, and of course the 2024 Reese Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. At the time of this recording, I have yet to watch the game, but the game is not as important as the practices. Practices are where the scouts line up to see some of the most talented. Uh, used to be just seniors, but now some underclassmen are allowed to go, but they're seeing some of the better draft prospects throughout the process here in a competition type of mode. Uh, Jim Nagy, the curator of the event, calls it the, the one of the biggest job interviews for these kids in their lives. This is a big deal. So that's why I'm so excited because we're going to talk about it. I got tons of notes. I got over 3,000 words, 13 pages of notes that I took from the command center right here in Massachusetts. I couldn't make it. Work got in the way. We're not talking about that. We're not talking negative energy. We're talking positivity from the from here at the, the command center. So let's just get right into it. I'm going to go through my notes, and I'm going to go through position by position. Not defense, not offensive linemen. We're talking strictly fantasy today, ladies and gents. We're talking the blue chips here in fantasy. These are the guys from the Senior Bowl and how they're going to be kind of shifting in my rankings, where they may have already shifted in my rankings, and how to start game planning these Senior Bowl attendees into your rookie drafts. So we got a lot to cover, so let's get into it right on now, baby. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm sorry. I had to take a sip of my donkeys. I'm from Mass. What do you want from me? I love my donkeys. Had a little iced coffee. I know. It's crazy. You might be saying, isn't it cold up there? Yes, it is. It's freezing up here. But sometimes, you know, I'm from New England. That's what we do. Iced coffee from donkeys here in Mass. Anyway, first we're going to start with tight end. Then we'll go quarterback. And then we'll get into the meat and potatoes, running backs, receivers. Because that is where a lot of the discussion 
probably should go in terms of our fantasy uh, squads and how we're going to attack these rookie drafts. So um, let's start at the tight end position because, quite frankly, I'm not going to call it underwhelming. I think it was whelming. I think it was exactly what I expected when I saw the prospects going down to Mobile. It kind of shook out. I'm not going to call it exactly how I predicted it because I'm no expert. I've said that here on the show before. Um, I'm a different type of evaluator. I'm, I'm a different type of breed. Theo Johnson was the the best tight end, and it got you. It gets you excited because a kid's six five, two hundred sixty pounds. He looks athletic. Not really a big producer um, at Penn State, so there's kind of the red flag, I would say, on this guy. But in day one, he looked good. Day two, he kind of got caught up. Brevin Ford span caught up to him in terms of the production, some of what they were putting down on film. Now, Jason Alwan, my man, he was down boots on the ground with roster watch, Cody Carpentier, and Alex Dunlap. Uh, so he liked him. He liked what he saw down there. But from what I saw, he looked fine. Uh, what a, a Fourth round, fifth round pick in your rookie drafts. I don't think he's going to expand up to the levels of which I want to take much chances on Theo Johnson, Brevin Jordan, AJ Barner from Michigan. Uh, they're kind of the same. So we got all Big Ten tight ends here on the national team: Penn State, Minnesota, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got all the Big Ten there. Uh, it, it was some of all representing the Big Ten. They, I like what I. They had size and they were solid, but. Not enough for you to get excited on this side. So I'm not advocating much for these guys other than they do have the requisite NFL size. So if their testing is okay, it looks good, we can get a little bit more excited. But I'd also like to uh, remind everyone of a name, uh, Zach Coots from Old Dominion, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. I can't remember the college. But big, fast, super athletic. One of the most athletic tight ends we've ever seen in our athleticism score at Player Profiler. Just kind of fell by the wayside. I know he had some injuries that he's dealing with, but at the same time, it was obviously Tyler Conklin and Jimmy Rucker. He just buried on the Jets depth chart. Well, I don't know if it was seventh round pick. He was barely even taken. So we do have to err with the caution with big and fast. Seems like a lot of these kids are big and fast now. So it's really trying to nitpick on who's the biggest and the fastest and the best at football. And as I, as far as I'm concerned, Theo Johnson, Brevin Spanford, AJ Bonner. Uh, I'm not really going to be all that excited to take them in my in my drafts. Now, the um, the American side, uh, the three tight ends that were represented there with Texas, uh, uh, Kansas State's Ben Sinoit, Florida State's Jaheim Bell, and TCU's Jared Wiley. Now, these three tight ends are my three favorite tight ends here, or that were down in Mobile. Uh, Jaheim Bell's day one was really electric. I mean, he made a number of of really, really nice catches. He was actually my tight end of the day for the American team's first session. Um, had a really nice deep out route, showed his versatility. They put him at H-back. They did the same thing with Ben Snowy, but Ben Snowy just seemed to fight the football a little bit more. He didn't have that fluidity, that athleticism. Jaheim Bell did. And, and like I said, my man Cody was down in Alabama, and his, one of his uh, observations early on was, Jaheim Bell's not as small as we all wanted. Well, as we all kind of would putting in our mind's eye. You know, he'd be looking at his, his height and weight on, on on the team page, and he doesn't pop. He's not huge. He's not a physically commanding type at measurables, but it was bigger. It looked bigger on the field. It played bigger on the field, which is a, bo- a bonus for Jaheim Bell because I think Jaheim Bell is the only tight end of this entire show, this entire event, that I am going to potentially – uh, keep an eye on throughout the process. Right now I have him at tight end three in the class, but I think after 
this after the Senior Bowl in the um, I'm not I'm gonna also gonna call the East West Shrine Bowl because Dallin Holker from Colorado State looked good down over there in Frisco, Texas. So he's gonna actually stay in my top five. Jaheim Bell's gonna go into my number three spot, and then number four I'm gonna leave Kate Stover. But I'm honestly just having trouble finding if he even entered the draft. So I, I know he's on the PFF simulator, mock simulator. I've seen him come up in other draft boards, but I just haven't been able to find the actual uh, declaration. So if you, if you find that, drop that in the comments for me because I don't know why I'm having trouble. I just need to know. Um, but Jared Wiley, that's what I would really like to talk about because uh, we were on the hurdle last week and Cody mentioned um, Jared Wiley and he's very raw. He's a He's got the... The mold, he said, if anyone were to be uh, a Gronk-esque player 10 years from now, and he doesn't necessarily mean Hall of Fame, he just means the physicality, the ability to block, but also be a nice receiver, um, not necessarily the number one, number two, number three, number four, ten and off the board, his third, fourth, fifth round pick. But he has the ability, the physicality, and the growth, the projectability to have that type of skill set. And so I looked at him at, through a different lens in day two. And I could see it a little bit. I could see where his mind went. He got long arms and he was physical. Even coming out of his breaks, he was making sure that he hit the, the linebacker covering or the safety covering him. And just he would make his break off of contact, which was very Gronk-esque. So I'm not saying he has Gronk potential. I'm not saying that I am going to take him in the second or third round. But if I'm looking at the running back board and all my guys are taken through 16, and I just don't want those roster-clogging wide receivers. We'll talk a little bit about that and my philosophy in the, the, of that for this year um, in a minute. Then this is where I would take a Jared Wiley. I'll take a shot. You, you take a shot. This is in your deeper dynasty leagues where we are covering all our bases. You know, All the, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. This is a deep league. Jared Wiley is something I might take late, late, late um, and just see. And you, if you want to do that, Theo Johnson, that's fine. I guess that would make sense. It's just not going to be the player I'm going to do that with. I'm going to do that with Jared Wiley. So overall, not super excited about the tight end class, but Gene Bell showed enough that this term, and I brought it up last week uh, that Mel Kuyper actually uh, shed some light on, was the term weapon and how NFL teams are not going positionless. That's too crazy. That's basketball. That's nonsense. But they are starting to look at, how can this guy be weaponized in my offense, regardless of traditional position? How can I get him in my scheme? How can I make his what he does well help us win? The weapon. Jaheim Bell is a weapon. Jaheim Bell looks like a little bit of a wide receiver out there, and it's weird. Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell were on the same team. One was a tight end, one was a wide receiver. If you were to go down there without knowing, not looking at the, the program, you might have thought Johnny Wilson was a tight end and Gene Bell was a wide receiver. Funny. We'll talk a little bit more about Johnny Wilson here in a little bit. But first, let's move on to quarterbacks. Now, quarterbacks are uh, – we'll start with we'll start with the national side because that's going to be the quickest side. I'm going to be able to ping-pong through that pretty quickly. Bo Nix, Sam Hartman, Michael Penix Jr. Um, I've said on this show and many other shows, I am a strong uh, proponent of the off-season competition between Knicks and Penix, where I think one is a first-rounder and one becomes a second or later pick. Uh, the winner of this battle um, moves on, <laughs> if you want. If you want. Now, um, neither guy seized the week. Neither guy um, was down in Mobile 
and just lighting up. They all had good throws. They made they had made nice plays, but they also had bad plays. Nick's a few times underthrew some you know like really shallow in routes, uh, mid routes, or really shallow crosser routes, really shallow drags. Though he, and it was just like, wow, what are you doing? Those are what are you doing? And it just that kind of felt frustrating. Penix had a quicker release and a better arm, and that's going to be. You know, that's in, that's cemented. That is now in the narrows. And I've said this, and this is how, if you're new to Blue Chips, I'm going to give you a quick one-second education about me, how I evaluate, because I'm not a football guy. I never even played organized football. So you might be saying, how can this guy evaluate? I, I can't evaluate exactly what um, the techniques are and stuff. The, go, go to Cody for that. Cody's the greatest out there. Cody's the best player evaluator of football talent that there is out there that I've ever interacted with. So if you need that, get that from him. And so do I, I get that from him. I get those insights from him and it helps build my thing. But what I do is I like to build narratives, these evaluations, because narratives are trends, narratives of patterns that we've seen in the past that lead to making better decisions for my teams going forward. And I'm sharing that with you for your teams to get better going forward. So we're trying to build narratives of how this guy becomes this pick on this team. And that means this, and then we can, so that's how I connect the dots. I use past performances because don't get it twisted. I love the draft process. I love the evaluation process. I've been watching the combine on NFL network since as long as I can remember, I've been, I drafted my, my action figures with my cousin. So the process to me is not new. The sport intricacies I'm still learning, but that's just kind of how I'm going to go. So the narrative I'm building, I said all that, all that craziness, just to say this, the narrative that I've kind of spun is um, we're trying to cement, we're trying to lock in these point for Knicks, point for Penix, point for Knicks, point for Penix throughout the offseason, and the winner will be the one that we want in our Superflex leagues. Uh, this, I'm giving a slight edge to Penix after this week, after all practices. Um, the game, he could, st- you know, I'm not changing the ranks. I'm not changing him in my ranks. I still have Knicks in my QB4. Um, but what I think ultimately should be the takeaway is that they left the door wide open for J.J. McCarthy to swoop in and be the fourth quarterback selected this year in the 2024 NFL draft. Hold on. I got to go check some upstairs. Sorry, I had to hit the pause button. I heard this crash upstairs, but I think it was my dog jumping off the couch and slipped. I, I think there was nothing up there. Anyway, QB4, J.J. McCarthy, leaving the door open. <clears throat> That's what they did. And so now, throughout the process, you have to add another horse to the race at QB4. J.J. McCarthy, no one jumped up in the lead. Now, Sam Hartman came out strong. Day one, looked pretty good in team drills. Made some nice throws in one-on-ones. That faded throughout the rest of the week. He is... He'll probably get drafted as a safe floor guy, QB3. If we need him in a pinch, maybe he can come in, handle business. But there's nothing special there. So in terms of our fantasy drafts and, and where these guys will go, Knicks and Penix, they are competing for potential late end, late first round, uh, early second in Superflex. Uh, one QB, I think no matter what, they're, they're third rounders. I don't think I'm going to take anyone other than the top three in the first two rounds of a rookie uh, one QB draft. So, and Sandman Hartman, do you have fifth round picks? I don't know how deep your league goes. That's uh, maybe a consideration there at the back end of the roster. But let's talk about the American side. Joe Milton, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, Carter Bradley, hometown kid, played at South Alabama where Mobile, uh, that field, I think that's the field they play on. <clears throat> Joe Milton. 
not interested. Big arm, looks the part, seems uh, a bit unserious, and is wildly inaccurate. I don't ever see him really um, making an impact in the NFL, so I will not be looking for him at all. Uh, Carter Bradley, kind of the same. I'm not interested in Carter Bradley. He made some nice throws, played with some spunk, played with some pizzazz, made a nice uh, like leaning back back foot, one foot toss over the sideline to um, Flournoy, Ryan Flournoy, which was he, which was one of the favorite, my favorite plays of that day. I think it was day two. Um, but, you know, I'm not really putting much stock into it. There's two guys that I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into because they deserve it. It's Michael Pratt and Spencer Rattler. I'm going to start with Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt seems like the NFL will like him, even though he did not really perform all that well in Mobile. I thought he was okay. Um, he showed that he has a good arm, but I think it, Good arm. I mean, they at this level, they all have pretty good arms. They all could spin it. He did look good, though. I, I liked a lot of his throws. It seemed like uh, he did have some zip on the ball. He kind of carried himself as a leader, carried himself well, always talking to the coaches, talking to his teammates. Um, so there's a little bit of intangibles there that I think is a bonus. It'll help him potentially get drafted late in the NFL. I, I like Michael Pratt as like a 2024's version of uh, Clayton Toon, Aiden O'Connell. These guys that remember there was a little bit of bump because of the injury status or the playing status of the guys at the top of the depth chart. So they kind of got heliumed up because they were fourth, fifth, sixth round picks in the NFL draft. That could be Michael Pratt. That could be Michael Pratt. So in your fourth, fifth round, you want to take a shot. Well, fourth round. Let's call it. Let's be, let's let's be respectful. In the fourth round, you want to grab Michael Pratt because everyone else is taken in your Superflex rookie mocks. That's somebody you could put in your roster and be surprised that oh he handled himself well for this three game stretch when X team needed him. I think that's kind of his ceiling. Spencer Rattler to me is the one guy in the class that could be the Brock Purdy. Now I'm not. That's a hyperbole. I'm not saying Mr. Irrelevant to Super Bowl competitor. What I just mean is a late-round guy that could get a job and keep it, not have this. The term Lynn Sanity was used more in this NFL season than it was when Lynn Sanity was actually occurring, uh, where there, you know, Josh Dobbs had his Lynn Sanity run. Uh, Joe Flacco had his Lynn Sanity run. Everyone had these Lynn Sanity runs. Uh, that's kind of the Michael Pratt hope. That's probably the Sam Hartman hope. Where... Spencer Rattler falls in now. Day one, he was completely unimpressive to me. I thought he um, was not – he should have been the cock of the walk, no pun intended, because he's, you know, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, but he should have been the guy. He should have carried himself like the guy in day one, and I felt like during team drills. Uh, now, the American practice was a little bit different than national practice. The American practice, was, I don't like it. It was kind of – it's kind of like, what am I doing? What am I watching here? Oh, they're kicking the ball now? Why are they kicking the ball? Um, I kept texting the guys over in Mobile. I was like, oh, thank God the American team let you take a nap. Because there's just these breaks of really nothing to get excited about. Uh, but then when team drills happened, Spencer Rattler just, he wasn't coming, you know, taking the reps. He wasn't stepping up to the reps. Like, there's a way you want these guys to carry themselves, the big dogs. And I just felt like he didn't in day one. Now, after day one, so I think it was after, no, then going to day two, he had a better practice, made really good decisions, um, checked down a lot, which I know isn't exci wasn't exciting, but, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks on the broadcast were praising his checkdowns, praising the decision-making, because we know Spencer Rattler has talent. We just don't know if he's, uh, he's an NFL quarterback. Now, my working play style conference, Spencer Rattler, is Baker Mayfield, and I said at the highest level of projectability because to get from Spencer Rattler to be uh, Baker Mayfield, you're talking about the difference of a third, fourth-round pick to the first overall pick. 
you know, a winner in college, a guy who was a project, someone who the, the term adversity continuously come came up with Spencer Rattler. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I think that's a good thing for a young man to grow and be humbled and show uh, kind of that willingness to bounce back and redeem yourself and face adversity. And that has him. And the rumors are that the NFL likes him more than us fantasy gamers, us couch evaluators. Um, and that's fair. So you got to you got to give him a little bit of steam. But I, watching him play, he looks like Baker. He's short, like the six one. Doesn't have the greatest arm, decent arm. Can make a couple good throws, but there you can see a path where Baba Ba gets hurt, Spencer Rattler comes in, and there's another Wally Pip. Spencer Rattler is now the quarterback of Team X for 2024 remainder and maybe 2025. Kind of that Sam Howell, if you could just adjust the timeline a little bit because it was really a full season this year and only two games or one game last year. So I'm thinking a little bit more than that, but that type of player. So you're going to want to grab Spencer Rattler um, after the other five, six guys are gone. After, um, you know, you have obviously the big two, May, Williams, Jane Daniels, uh, Bonix, Penix, and McCarthy. I think safely those six need to be off the board. And at that point you can look, which will probably be end of round three, probably mid round four. So I would be okay taking him there in my super flex lines because I do think there's a path to him becoming um, the a starter for, for, for some time that can help you going forward uh, in your fantasy leagues, especially in your deeper dynasty leagues. So um, at quarterback, another name I'm just going to throw out just really briefly, and it was just because of how I saw him play over at the Shrine Bowl, was Tua's brother, uh, Tao Tagovailoa. And he, Cody actually said this, he texted to me, he might have said on the Roster Watch show, we'll play a profile earlier this week, that he looked like um, Bryce Young, the size. And I'll be honest, yesterday I'm sitting on the couch kind of vegging out, put the kids in bed, laying that back, kind of looking at my phone. And then I look up and I go, oh, Bryce Young's playing. I look up again, oh, nice play by Bryce Young. And I'm like, wait, no, wait, no, I'm watching the Shrine Bowl, and that's Tagovailoa. He does look like Bryce Young, but he plays with a little bit of spunk. He plays with energy. He plays with athleticism that I think – he might be one of my wild card quarterbacks that I'm going to put in the back end of my bench. Probably never going to happen. But if you want to talk about a guy who has the energy and skills set to have a Lin Sanity run of three or four games in the season, it's Tungavailoa. I think it's Tungavailoa for sure. Um, but let's talk about – I'm going to talk about the receivers because I think the running backs are far more uh, – I don't I, 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 We'll get to it. We'll go receiver first. And we'll start on the national side. So, uh, Tez Walker, Roman Wilson, Ricky Pearsall, Javon Baker, Brennan Rice, Luke Cowing, uh, I mean, J Jacob Cowing, Luke McCaffrey. This group, so what we're trying to decide here, so this is what I talk about building narratives. Uh, we're trying to differentiate the roster cloggers to the valuable receivers here. There's a lot. There's a lot of receivers in this class. Um, my overall philosophy of this class, if you have a Josh Palmer, if you have a... Uh, KJ Osborne. If you've been rostering, let me see if I can pull another one. No, that type of receiver. Um, I don't want to just keep thinking. Tyler Boyd might be the tippity tippity top of that. What I'm talking about, he might be just outside of that on the safe version. But those type of receivers, these receivers that you don't all you never you don't usually play him. You're never excited to play him. You're hoping that the week that you need him. He gets the touchdown. He has the big game because they are capable of it a few times a year. Um, I believe that those guys in the NFL are about to be firebombed. 
and I'm sorry for the hyperbole, that's a pretty drastic term. All I just mean is there are so many solid receivers, and there are so many differential, uh, different type of receivers, big receivers, possession receivers, go-getting receivers, slot receivers. There's a smattering of different players at this position that teams um, are really going to have the opportunity just to move on from the Josh Reynolds. There's another one. Uh, those type of guys, and really upgrade and get younger in the better contract, blah, 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 blah. So I do think that what we're trying to find here is which one of these guys – are part of that group that push all those guys aside and which ones become that next group that are just roster cloggers from 2024 to 2026 that I just don't want to take. So at this t- on the side, we're going to break them down. The guys that I thought um, I did not, I did not leave the practices going. I'm going to target this guy. This is, this is a guy for me uh, in the second, maybe first round, third round. No, no second round. No, no. These are the guys that fell out of there. Uh, Tez Walker for me, and I know it's crazy. DJ Daniel Jeremiah has him um, a first-round pick to the Chiefs. A lot of people have him a first-round pick. But for me, again, I'm trying to build narratives. I'm trying to put things together. And Tez Walker, I just need him to show me why he's a first-round pick. What makes him special? What does he bring? And he looks the part. I mean, he's got these long strides that really cover ground. He can really create separation with that. But he had horrible drops. He telegraphed his routes a lot. He did not have a good week. And I just, I don't want Tez Walker. I'll have no interest in Tez Walker if he's a mid to back end of the second round NFL pick. He will lose all type of value for me. And he didn't do anything in Mobile that pushes him up. He's someone who's fallen now at my wide receiver ranks. Um, I have him at 12. He was as high as nine. He's down to 12. And now he is in the smattering of other guys that I will bring up uh, that could jump him, that could cause his fall depending on what we see in Indy and then obviously where his his actual draft uh, capital comes from. How good or bad is it? The other guy that I'm now out on is Jacob Cowling. I'm out on him. He was listed as 5'11". On the Arizona playing sheet, 5'8". So we're talking about three inches shorter. Three. That is a – these guys all have – we all hear 6'1", and go, might be might be actually might be Oh, he's 6'4". No, he looks 6'2 he looks and a half. 5'11", the 5'8", is a massive difference. So now that puts him in a different narrative. Jacob Cowling, he flashed. He had good routes, showed good hands. Um but I felt like he was just. I I felt he looked at times easy to kind of cover in the slot. I felt like he was unreliable in certain parts of the team drills. Uh, for the but that could also be attributed to these guys just meeting on Monday, not knowing the the timing. I get it. I get it that there are factors here. But again, I'm trying to build narratives in his narrative to the to see a path to not be a roster clogger was Tankdale upside. He had one strike against him. Uh, Tankdale was the nation's leading receiver coming into the Senior Bowl. Colin was not. He did over a thousand though, so we we like that. And then Tankdale dominated. Tankdale, Tankdale went viral. I mean, that's that's the only way to say it. he went viral down in Mobile, and he was uncoverable. He was unstoppable. Um, he did whatever he wanted, and these just, a lot of these drills are built for these type of players. So there isn't a, a little bit of a uh, maybe inflated cost attached to the value that you have to account for, because these guys can dominate if they're good at route running routes. Cowing didn't do that. You had to be if you're going to be five eight, 
three inches shorter than your team says, you need to have a practice up here. And what I'm doing for our listeners only, I am putting it at my hat, at the tippy top of my head, the crown of my head. His was right at my nose. It was fine. It was good. It was solid. Middle of the pack in terms of impressive wide receivers. That's just not going to be good enough for me. So now he is now tumbled in my ranks. Uh, at He's wide receiver 20. And even if he has a good uh, combine, he would have to get exquisite capital. He would have to get such draft capital where Keon Coleman, uh, Lad McConkey, Adonai Mitchell were left on the board and he was taken ahead of them for me to then go, I I missed something here. I have to reevaluate. So he is going to be a fade for me, probably throughout the process after this. Um, of course, if you want it, I I'm not going to use anything more than a fourth round pick as of right now on him because in just the second, third rounds, I am going to be taking a lot of a particular position. We'll get to that position here in a second. But moving on on the national team's wide receivers and what I saw, Brendan Rice looks the part. I have it in my notes right there. Brendan Rice looks the part. Size, movement, aggressiveness, intensity. He was a winner for a lot of people down there in Mobile. He looked really, really crisp in the red zone, scored some touchdowns there, was very physical. I mean, we're talking, they do these one-on-one drills, and cornerbacks will hold the shit out of you. They don't care. They don't want to be embarrassed, and they don't care if the flag happens. They just aren't going to, they don't want to get embarrassed in the rep. He would He would have these hand battles that would 100% cause NFL flags to be flying, and he comes out on top. He looks strong. 6'3, 210. Says he's going to shed about 10 pounds and run in the 40, which I would assume means he thinks he can run in the 4'3s or low 4'4s because you don't want him to be skinny. You want him to be. He looks like a discounted Michael Mike, Mike Evans out there. I'm, I'll say it. Just the aesthetic. When you look at him, you're like, dang, this kid looks big. He looks strong and he can move. Brent, that's what he looks like. Brent Rice is the son of Jerry Rice. But. I'm still not taking a second-round pick on him. Again, he would have to get draft capital uh, ahead of a lot of the guys in my ranks uh, to accelerate him for me to take a second-round pick on him. I'll take a third-round pick on him uh, for sure. Right now I have him at wide receiver 17. But again, now there is a a grouping of 9, 8 in my rankings, all the way down to 19 that are just like so fluid. Take it with a grain of salt. It might change by the next time you hear my voice type of grouping. Um, but Brent Rice, he looked apart. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie. Uh, another guy that popped at times, but I think overall becomes a roster clogger in the NFL is Ricky Pearsall. Um, really crisp. Uh, I actually had in my notes. Uh, he was he was very on par with Roman Wilson to start off the 1v1s in the team drills. I mean, uh, the individual drills, the IDs. So I was like, wow, these two are the crisp route runners here. These two are the cleanest route runners. And then, you know, <laughs> one proceeded to continue to impress. One kind of was fine. He was solid. Ricky Pearsall made some nice catches. He won uh, on a nice corner uh, that was a deep corner, which is a nice route for teams to see. That was a lot of, you know, the suggestive uh, success of Tank Dells being able to run a nice corner. So you like that. But then he just overall just looked like, okay, he'll be decent measurables, decent speed, athleticism. Just a guy, not really excited about him. I'm not going to be uh, targeting him much in, in in my rookie drafts, even as late as the third. It'd have to be fourth. Probably not at all. I'd rather take a shot on a Jared Wiley. I'd rather take a shot on a Michael Pratt. These more uh, boom-type positions than a, a roster clogger in, in Ricky Pearsall. Sorry, Ricky. I don't mean to be mean. Luke McCaffrey is teetering for me. There was This kid's tough. 
I mean, this kid's tough. You know what bloodline he comes from. Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Max McCaffrey. Like these kids are athletes, and he's tough. Tough catches over the middle. Tough catches deep. But I think he's going to be your, your strict slot type guy. I don't know if in my video notes initially, I thought he could win on the outside, but I think it was more of the competition. Yeah, and also in a highlight reel, you know, it could just be the smattering of three nice plays as opposed to a bunch that you don't necessarily see. Not saying I just watch highlights, but sometimes you start there and you work your way in. Um, and McCaffrey, I think after seeing him, he's going to be more of a slot guy. He had a really nice back of the end zone catch with Michael Penix, but it comes from across the field. Um, he has the size. He definitely looks like he could be an NFL receiver, uh, but I, I don't know if I – I hate to say it, but I think he's going to fall into the roster clogger bucket. I have met wide receivers 17, 16, so it is ahead of Brandon Rice. But again, this is a, a very fluid situation. I don't, I don't know. It's going to really come down to draft capital. I don't know. I did compare him to Adam Thielen, so maybe it's a, lo- a slower burn. But let me pick that off the waiver wire. Yeah, a year and a half, uh, you know, six months into the season. Let me make a trade of future sixth for him. Let me just like get him at a discount, then opposed to you know, having to pay his premium and during rookie drafts because everyone knows everyone's the rookie values as a whole go up. Um, so would I take him in with a third round pick? So basically, I guess the differentiation is roster cloggers are four down, uh, value is three up. So I right now Luke McCaffrey is a third round roster clogger pick for me. Uh, now le- leaving one, two players, two players that I think would be third round possibilities, even second round possibilities. Roman Wilson and Javon Baker. Javon Baker is 6'1", over 200 pounds. He was a Alabama recruit, and we saw why. Very good at the catch point. Strong hand, strong kid. And he comes off like he's – I'm not going to steal the term because you already know what the term is from my man Cody, the big dog. But he got it. He got that in him. If you know, he's. He seems like he, he mean at times when it needs to be. Which does I think can help a player like this over a thousand yards, good yards per out run in the regular season, and he he did enough to impress me in Mobile, where I think he could get uh, kind of jump up above the roster clogging uh, tier. You and he'd be worth a late second, early or th- somewhere in the third, depending on the draft capital. So I like Javon Baker and then Roman Wilson, star of the offense, both sides. This guy was, you know, MVP candidate for MVP of the week, unbelievable. I comped him to Deontay Johnson because I love the the style comp, but my man's going to be faster. My man Roman's going to be way faster than Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson ran the four fives. I know. Let me double check here because I literally am putting the show on a network that is part of the best football website to look up players' profiles uh, in the world. So why don't I go ahead and get that for sure as opposed to just sitting here all willy-nilly let me use the tools I have at, 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 at my behest and give you an accurate reading of what Deontay Johnson ran. It was a four, five, three. So I was right. So I did all that, that, that talking for nothing, just to basically bump up uh playerprofile.com, which I mean, why wouldn't I do that? Anyhow, anywho, Rome Wilson's going to be faster than four, five. I think Daniel Jeremiah said he might run in the mid to low four threes. Uh, this kid's gonna be fast and he could he could separate and he's dog. And I will say this across the board. I'm giving a slight bump to the Michigan kids. Jim Harbaugh, you know, the the culture he built there, the the atmosphere, they do feel like they have a chip on the show. They do feel like they play with 
I'm going to punch you in the face mentality. And I know that's rah-rah football guy. I don't care because I am going to give Wilson, Quorum, just a slight bump because I think the NFL is going to like that they have that in them. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to go second round of the Chargers, but I do think third round pick is now in play. And he is that type of player that you bring in that makes CJ Osborne or KJ Osborne irrelevant, makes uh, Josh Reynolds not, you don't need him anymore. It makes you the DPJ. You just, he's fourth receiver. You send him down the field every so often, you know, those type of guys, Josh Palmer, which is charged. I was trying to avoid it, but it's there. Those guys become depth pieces. These guys become contributors and you know, you, you're, you're working. And I love Roman Wilson. Uh, what I saw, and I got to give a big shout out to my man Jason Allen. He put him on the map for me. There's a reason why I dove in to his profile and why I looked at it um, through the lens that I did and appreciated it the way that I did. Um, so yeah, he is the number one wide receiver of this of this event. I have him as high as wide receiver eleven now. Um, he did not get above two other guys that we'll talk about here, uh, but he is within range. Again, like there's a smattering of eight all the way down to 19. That is still very jelly. It's not solidified. It ain't sturdy quite yet. But the American side had some wide receivers that were interesting as well. Um, and I'm going to start with the guys that I just don't think make the cut. Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith is a long shot. He's a good missed tackles force guy, evaded tackle type guy, tough to bring down. Good yards after catch. Seems like he'll get a shot in the NFL as a special team or a kick returner. So that'll keep him on a roster. So that'll allow him to one day become relevant. But again, I'm not using a rookie pick on that. I'll pick him up in waivers. I'll trade back end of the roster stuff for him. I don't believe he pops in a time frame where if someone does take a fourth round shot on him, he's untouchable. I think you'll have a chance to get him, if not in waivers, like I mentioned. So a nice, but I liked what he provided. He had a really nice sliding catch. Uh, in day one in the team drills that really kind of got the the vibes going. Um, and he looks the part. I mean, he looks sturdy as an NFL receiver, but he's going to have to work strictly, strictly out of the slot. There's just not a path. There's not a narrative. I'm just, like I said, I'm trying to build narrative. It's not really a narrative to he, anywhere. Become, he becomes a, an asset over a roster clogger. Johnny Wilson, let your teammate, let your league mate take him. He's huge. He's going to be fast. He's going to be intriguing. But, he looks like he needs to be a tight end. He looks like Darren Waller type, and that's something you're going to have to wait years to marinate to get any type of return on your investment in terms of even if it's a fourth-round pick. So I think right now he's a roster clogger. He's something you can potentially um, – No, I was going to say flip, but you don't have that asset yet. He's not drafted yet because I do think after he runs in the combine, yeah, he'll probably get a, a boost, but I don't – I'm not going to be all that excited. He didn't pop um, – other than when you just saw him. <laughs> I mean, when you saw him, holy shit, that could that just tall. But nah, he's, he's just not for me. He's a Ross Clogger. Marcus Rosemey's Jack Saint from Georgia. I liked him, but he's, he's, he's your definition of a roster clogger. He's consistent. He was just, he made catches, got open. He was just solid. I, I he just, and I just really, really cherish the kids who show up and get it done. And he kept getting it done. Um, but for him to be successful in the NFL, I think we're talking stars aligning, galaxy shifting. He's not worth a pick in rookie drafts. Don't worry about Jack Saint in your rookie picks. Um, he could be something later on uh, because I do think maybe his consistency, he is a, a six, 
I think he's six one, one ninety five. So he's got you know he's got the height, and again he was consistent. He's the type that might make make it to a practice squad. You like him in hard knocks. He has a cool narrative in hard knocks. He shows up. He does okay. Two years down the road, you're like, oh shoot, that's the guy from hard knocks. He's now on a new team and he's the third receiver. All right, so that type of guy. Get them later. Uh, I'm not looking to waste. Uh, not waste. I don't want to say waste. These kids are trying really hard, and they're really accomplishing their dreams right now. So I don't want to use, utilize such a high caliber player uh, pick on a player that I think I can invest in later. Um, Jamari Thrash. Jamari Thrash was very interesting because there were times, and I have it in my notes here in day two, he looked incredibly smooth. He was getting open. But multiple times he couldn't finish. He didn't catch the ball. And I'm like, okay, practice can happen. But again, this guy, we're trying to build him a narrative where he's such a high pick that he doesn't become a roster clogger. He just becomes an asset. He gets open deep. He's clean route runner. There was a time uh, during the day two session where I was like, you know, of course I want to see Quinion Mitchell and Lad McConkey. But I also want to see Jamari Thrash and Quinion Mitchell. Um, I, I need to see that because that's going to be a good battle of route running technician versus straight shutdown corner. I don't know if he's that guy. I don't know if he's that guy. Um, right now, I have him just outside of that smattering at uh, wide receiver 21. That puts him in the Pearsall Cowing uh, ranking tier, and I don't see him jumping up enough to become non Ross Cogger. So, although. Some people that I respect who do like his uh, tape, and he does have some underlying metrics that we're encouraging. Not going to go the Jamari thrash business coming in the rookie draft. So even in the fourth round, I'd give me, again, give me Jared Wiley. Give me Rattler if he's there. Give me Pratt if he's there. Give me Tagovailoa if he's there in my Superflex formats. I'm not going to use a pick on Jamari thrash. Going to my drafts as of now. Ryan Flornow, I just really want to give him a shout out from Southeast Missouri State. Seahawk in the building. He showed he belonged there. And I don't know what that's going to mean, but he looked good. Big kid, consistent, very Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint esque in that he was just there making big plays. He was the recipient of the Carter Bradley back foot throw on the sideline. Seemed like a he was able to win on the field. But I just I don't know in this class how does he emerge as someone that we select in our rookie drafts. I don't see it. So I just want to give him a shout out. But no, he's in the roster clogger bucket for me. Uh, which brings me now to my final three guys. I'm going to start with Jaquan Jackson. Jaquan Jackson uh, from Tulane, fast, but looked like you know, I think the label that was put on him going into Mobile is your stereotypical you know special teamer. That's just what he's here to do show off his speed but he looked good all week i mean he won over and over and it wasn't just with michael pratt he he had the ability to win with other quarterbacks downfield short intermediate routes fast he looked good but again in this class you have to do more than just look good to climb up these ranks um, right now he's in my addition section of my ranks i don't, I don't have him fused in but i see him settling in 20, 20, in that cowing thrash per saw, but he's going to be more towards the Jermaine Burton, Jalen Perk, uh, Polk, which is I just haven't gotten enough info on them. I haven't seen them enough to really accurately put them. So there's a chance he could go up if the NFL tells me that he's worth it. 
I don't see that. I just don't think these guys have to claw such a far distance up a huge hole. That, that I don't know if that sounds right. They are set behind a very, very far because how deep this class is. Like they're just they're the elite of the elites that we'll see at the top 10 picks of the NFL draft, maybe three of them. Then there's a few others, another three or four that are like first round potential picks. Then there's a grouping that's first, second round, and then there's a whole smattering of second round. And does he get into those? I mean, Tyquan Thornton did, but we all saw how that bad of a pick that was. So, yeah, could he get in that mix? But do I see him being worth taking him in the third or fourth round in your rookie dress? No, I don't. So he's he's, he's in the roster clogger, but a great week for Jaquan Jackson. Now the two guys that do that did keep themselves above the roster clogger is uh, Xavier Leggett and Lad McConkey. And I'll start with Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett came in shorter. Then expected. So 6'3, 227 was his measurables going in. DK, right? I mean, that's carbon copy DK. 6'3, 227. That's DK. Fast. We know he's fast. We know he can he has a strong catch, but we know he goes and gets it. We know he has great extension. So we're looking at DK. We're seeing someone fast, someone that can catch up. I mean, he has a few plays uh from South Carolina last year where it was just like there's a group of opponents around him, and now there's not. He's gone. He got real speed. So our hope was was DK. Comes in two inches short, and he's not DK. And I hate those comps. I will not give you those comps. He's a slower X. He's a smaller Y. If he, if, if two that always come to mind is Cam Newton, J- Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a shorter Cam Newton. Then he ain't Cam Newton. And he's proven to not be Cam Newton. Yeah, can he run the ball? Yeah, we knew he was an athletic kid. A great kid. I, I like him as a prospect. I'm not. This isn't. I'm just saying you can't do that. You can't say, oh, he's a a slower X. Uh, uh, you can't. Then they're not the comp. He ain't DK. He, he's not DK. If he's shorter, he's not DK. What makes DK DK is being 6'3", 227 and does what he can do. But then Leggett did come out on day one and had his think fest. Kept running deep routes in the one on one, so he wasn't really able to get any catches. Uh, that was was highlight worthy, noteworthy, exciting. But he looked fluid. He looks like I mean, he looks like a really good athlete. Um, so I'm not fading him yet because day two was great. Day three was really good in the in the, in the red zone. So I still have Xavier against my wide receiver eight, but I think it will be tough climbing for him to get above Adnai Mitchell now that Xavier worthy. So I right now I have a tear break, and right behind him at my wide receiver nine is Lad McConkey. Now Lad McConkey for me is going to be so DC landing spot dependent because of his skill set. Good yards per route run guy. So he's more than just your dump it short. He's just going to go down slot your stereotypical white slot receiver. He's got more downfield. He's more of like Danny Amendola on the Rams as opposed to the Patriots, if you're old enough to remember how that transition went. Because he's great route runner. I mean, we saw he just make guys look silly over and over and over again. But again, these one-on-one drills and team drills are built for him to succeed uh, because he's such a good route runner, especially one-on-ones when you have the whole field and they have no idea. And it's just built for the receivers to dominate if you have this type of skill system, and he did. Um, so I like Lad McConkey. He's definitely not a roster clock. He's definitely someone I would take in the second round. Um, in my one QB leagues, in certain situations, back into your first even. Um, but again, we're going to have to see how fast he is in Indy. And then we want to see where his draft capital is. So I have him right now at wide receiver nine. He is in the uh, 
right now it's basically a tier of Franklin, Worthy, Mitchell, Leggett, McConkey, Keon Coleman, that tier. So that tier is still left to be shaken out. Uh, so he could rise, he could fall, depending on landing spot athleticism, because everyone knows I'm not fading Keon Coleman. I just need to be shown why the narratives I'm building, right? The narratives I'm building, I need to be shown why he's someone I need to be excited about. Because uh, I just don't see it yet. I haven't, I haven't been able to come across it yet. He makes cool catches, but so did Martavis Bryant. Okay. Keon Coleman showed me something. He might in Indy. All right, let's move on to the the running backs, which I do believe was the – I'm not going to call it the star because it's so hard for running backs to really shine in this – type of practice situation where what makes you a great running back is avoiding tackles and breaking tackles and you can't really tackle. So yeah, it looks like you might've broken that arm tackle. How do we know? Ah, it's tough. It's tough. You can really just kind of show your traits. And what I saw from these running backs was you need to go get in your dynasty leagues as many second and thirds as you possibly can because you just need to load up on these running backs. And the difference of roster cloggers to contributors of wide receiver in into the running back position are night and day. Receivers can be better prospects, but give you nothing in fantasy. Running backs can be bad prospects, give you nothing, and then a snap of a finger, a quick injury, a trade. He's thrust into a role that's very fantasy friendly. And this class has traits, ladies and gents. My blue chippers out there watching. First of all, shout out to y'all. Episode six, we cooking. There's a lot of them. There's good traits out here. There are roles to be had and roles to eventually be won. And you need them on your fantasy teams, whether you're a contender or or, or a rebuild. You want to get seconds and thirds to gobble up as many of these running backs and flip them. That's me flipping as much as you can throughout a season if you're rebuilding or you're going to need them on your roster when you're trying to play the running back roulette game that a lot of contending teams do, myself included. So we're going to start this journey with the national team. Um, Isaiah Davis, Marshawn Lloyd, Vidal, Camini. Oh, Kimani, Vidal, Vidal, Camini. Maybe that sounds more like a baseball name. I don't know. If, maybe I'm thinking of Vidal Bruhan, but anyhow. Kimani, Vidal. Uh, Rashin Ali. That was bad. That was just not great name pronunciation. I am sorry, guys. But we'll start with uh, Isaiah Davis. Big kid, but I just felt like he was a plotter. Nothing. All that special about him. Fourth round pick for me in rookie mucks. Fifth round pick for me in rookie mucks. I don't, in rookie drafts, I should say. Um, I don't think he gets drafted. Probably an undrafted kid. Comes from a small school. He is a producer there, but remember Pierre Strong? What a producer he was. What an athlete he was then he's never come to fruition. He was traded for nothing, and he had an opportunity in Cleveland, didn't get much. So I just, I'm just i not going to be all that excited for uh, Isaiah Davis throughout the, the, the process. But the other three I am. The other three I am, and I will start with Rasheen Ali because it's the most heartbreaking. Rasheen Ali came out in day one and looked fantastic. This is a guy who's had a lot of receptions in college. This is a guy who has multiple thousand-yard seasons in college. This is a guy. This is a Devi guy. If you play Devi, you know who Rasheen Ali is, running back for Marshall. And he looked it. He looked great day one. 
he was my favorite running back in day one. I believe he did win my uh, practice of the day award. Yes, he had a very, very impressive reps, looked the side, looked the part of an NFL back. Um, but then he, he tore his triceps or his bicep. He, he tore a muscle in his bicep and had to leave during the early in the day two session, like really early in the day two session. And the reason why that was that's really bad for me uh, in trying to evaluate him and build these narratives, like I said, is his big red flag is injury. And here he is injured again. I don't know if he ever gets an opportunity to show how good he could have been or given a path to be uh, someone we want in fantasy. So as much as I like Rasheen Ali, he's fallen out of RB16 in my rankings and might just fall even more throughout the process because it's pretty much going to sideline him the rest of the process. And, you know, building these narratives to get him to fantasy relevant, those narratives are also built for NFL teams, and I don't know if we can build that narrative um, where he's he's a guy I want in fantasy, and it sucks because I do think he has traits, and I do think he has ability. Uh, but I think that sometimes a narrative, you, you kind of ring that bell, teams go, I've seen all I need to see. I got all I need to see. I need to see this guy do X. He did Y. I did not want to see him do Y. He did Y. So that's kind of where I'm at with Rasheen Ali, and it sucks because I really liked him as a prospect. Uh, Kimani Videl, though, Kind of had a nice steady ascension in his in his week. Day one, I thought he was pretty much a jag, just looked okay, had a couple of nice catches in the flat, but felt like, eh. But he looked good throughout the week. Again, he just consistently made plays, consistently was there, consistently did the right thing. Wasn't like, oh, whenever it went viral, it was never like, oh, look at Vidal, he's so great. But he was never like, look at Vidal, he's, he's blowing it. He looked good. He just looked better and better throughout the week. I think he's a kid that might shine in the game that would get people that might get people excited. Um, so for that, you know, I got kind of excited about him. He's kind of stayed steady in my ranks, kind of got a little bump. I think he was right around 17. Now he's at 14 at running back. He is someone that, again, I will take in the back end of the third if he's my best running back on my board, fourth round, so on and so forth, where I'm really getting these guys. I do think I could see him not only in an NFL uniform, but being relevant for an NFL franchise in certain spots in the 2024, 2025 season. So I'm going to take shots on Vidal. I like what I saw. Again, a good producer in college. He was a really, really good player. Um, broke a lot of tackles, got a lot of carries, showed that he can handle the workload, has the size for NFL running backs. Um, so Vidal, I like Vidal. But then we're going to go to the last running back on the national team, and that was Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd is the ding, ding, ding winner of the Senior Bowl at the running back position, ran hard, ran tough. He had good cuts. Um, he impressed in the run game. We all kind of knew he was impressive in the running game. Uh, he was always in my uh, top eight at running or top 10 at running back. But then what he did is he showed he could catch the ball, look smooth in passing drills, made plays and team drills, was able to get open. Um, it's kind of like they do this team competition, this team reps where it's like call somebody out or you run or you got to stop this. And he ran you know, a little nice little double move up, up, up the middle and burnt a running a, a linebacker badly. Uh, it's kind of set up to do that, but the fact that he did it is good because some guys don't. Isaiah Davis had a chance, did not work. Um, but him, he made it work. So he did go up two spots in my ranks to running back eight, but I do believe there'll be helium there. I think the NFL will like him. I think he has the size. He runs violent, and I think he's going to not necessarily be a three-down contributor, but I think having those traits 
allows you to be on a roster. And like Scott Connor said, and I've given him a ton of shots. I'll always give him con- sh- uh, credit for this quote because it's fantastic. If he's on a 53, he's for me at running back. And I do believe he'll be on a 53. I would love to take him in the second, in the third uh, of my rookie drafts. So that's the national team. Let's move on to the American roster. Uh, Cody Schrader, Ray Davis, Dijun, Dijun, Dijun. I'm I need to get, if I'm going to cover prospects, I need to get better names, but I'm so bad. I'm sorry. Dejan Edwards from Georgia, Michael Wiley from Arizona, and Imani Bailey from TCU. Imani Bailey, and I think, uh, I don't think anyone in this group should be completely thrown out. Imani Bailey, though, is probably my lowest ranked running back on the American side. Uh, Right now, I don't even have him in my top 20. Um, I do think when my updates, he's in my addition. So I think when my updates go, he'll be right around 20. But I don't, so I'm not in love with him. But again, if I'm sitting there in the fifth round of my rookie draft, fourth round of my rookie draft, and he's there, I'm going to take him. We'll see what dra- we'll see what his draft capital gets. Maybe he goes on draft and I don't care any longer. But he's solid. Dijon Edwards was a late addition to the senior bowl roster. And he was good. He showed electricity, good cutting ability. And these Georgia running backs sometimes can pop because they're never given the keys of the, the, the castle. They're never given the workload that we love to see, obviously, as talent evaluators. They always split. So sometimes they have this opportunity to show how dynamic they are, how good they are, uh, if given more touches, if given that role. I think he did enough to show that. I just don't know if he gets himself in a position to be drafted. So he's, again, going to be back. He's back towards the 20s. Um, I'll take him late because if he's on a 53s for me, but we'll, we'll have to see. I think it's I think it's questionable to see if he's on a 53. Michael Wiley. Michael Wiley came out and I thought he was playing Jane Manila envelope. I thought he was not I thought he was boring. White bread with mayonnaise, boring little gross little sandwich, and I didn't really care. But again, he then did it again, but it got a little better day two. Did it again, got a little better day three. Michael Wiley popped. He he has this, he was big. Uh, over 200 pounds. He looks smooth in the passing game. Good enough in the running game. Um, was able to get to the second level in team drills multiple times. He's going to be a riser for me. I don't know where he falls at the end of the process. So he's kind of going to be kind of attached or connected to this tier 15 to 25, probably that'll end up being from now to the draft of who the NFL gives chances to. But I think an NFL team is going to give a chance to Wiley after the Senior Bowl, and I'd love to see him test in Indy. Because, um, again, he was just solid, good player, one of those that you go, I don't care about Michael Wiley, but all of a sudden Michael Wiley's a RB3 on a roster, and you're like, oh, still I don't really care about Michael Wiley. Then he becomes an RB2, you're like, oh, he's catching a couple passes. Then there's an injury, and you're like, oh, well, Michael Wiley's all of a sudden now getting 12 touches a game and looking good. Um, so yeah, he'll be on my radar. He'll be in that grouping that I need to see how it plays out, how the NFL likes him. But I like what I saw down there. I like, uh, I trust a lot of talent evaluators that liked what he brought to the table. So he's someone that I'm going to dive more into the analytics and then dive more into the tape and then follow him along for the rest of the process. Uh, but the guys that are your bona fide second round picks, third round picks, uh, depending on Superflex, one QB, stuff like that is Cody Schrader and Ray Davis. Big, heavy producers in college. Uh, both have shown the ability to catch the football. I have Davis 12, Coder Schrader 13, and I think that that's a tear break for me. 
We'll see Vidal. Vidal could kind of get into that tier. Right now he's just below them, but those are the two guys that I, I think that could. I, I Basically, this is, this is the correlate. This is the connection. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, Brian Robinson are on the same team. That guy's not a coach anymore, but those guys stick around. Those guys eventually get choice, chances, and then in week 15, you need a running back more than you need anything on this earth, and there he is. Cody Schrader, Ray Davis. Good catch. Schrader and oh, well, Schrader had his career high in receptions this year, but he came from a small school a couple years ago. It was ridiculous. His numbers are crazy um, before he made the jump to Missouri. But then he had a great year in Missouri, over 20 receptions. He's got the size. He looked pretty fluid. The, what I have in my notes for Cody Schrader was he tries hard. And that's a good thing. You know, sometimes they're gamers and they're just like, okay, Hardo. Chill out. Cody Schrader's into it. He's a, but he does it in a good way. He, I think he is game in a good way. So I like that about him. And Ray Davis, um, you know, I think uh, the the most interesting stat I heard on him, a uh, thousand yard rusher at three different colleges. So a producer, obviously they got better until he got to Kentucky. Uh, but he had back to back thousand yard seasons at Kentucky, over hundred catches throughout his career in college. Um, big guy. I mean, this that boy, man, he's a thick boy. 220. Big boy. He's a big boy. But he's smooth. He looks smooth. He ha- he shows some great cutting ability. He bounces to the outside, which is a nice display of athleticism in a team drill setting. Um, so I like Ray Davis. I like the traits there. I think that he could be a NFL one-two plotter that you're like, I don't want him. But six touchdowns later, you're like, oh, I wish I would put him in my lineup. I wish I would have traded him when his value was high. Those type of guys. So right now, uh, coming out of the senior bowl, Running back-wise, I have them ranked uh, Marshawn Lloyd at 8. He was down in Mobile. Dylan Lobb at 11. Uh, Dylan Lobb is – I got to talk about Dylan Lobb. How did I miss Dylan Lobb? Oh, because he's not on the website. I actually had this confusion earlier. But Dylan Lobb, let me talk about him. Dylan Lobb from UNH. I've talked about him on the show before, so I'm not going to get too in-depth. I think he did enough to prove that he is a weapon in the NFL. He might not be a highly drafted weapon, but a guy that you're going to want in your team and he's going to stick around as a satellite back. And then perhaps he is used in packages where you want to put a receiver in the, in the slot because he is a, a wildly diverse route tree for a running back. And I mean, this kid had a 300 yard receiving game in college, 300 yard receiving game in college, mega producer uh, from strong Island. Shout out the OG. Uh, but yeah, I got him at 11, Ray Davis at 12, Schrader at 13, Vidal at 14, Michael Wiley at 15, Ali at 16, Edwards at 17. There is a hole, though, if you didn't notice. There was someone there at number nine that I did not say. Frank Gore Jr. participated in the East-West Shrine Bowl. Frank Gore Jr. had almost 100 yards rushing and a touchdown in the game itself. He's smaller than his dad, but he's fast. He showed breakaway speed last night in the game. He looked agile. Throughout the week, he again, he's a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller than his dad. But I think he's going to get the preferential treatment because of his dad, which means he could get a an extra look from a team and maybe get bumped up a few picks or bumped up around. Uh, so I like that about him, but that's not – I don't think any nepotism here is going to be his path to success. He showed great hands. Cody uh, and the Roster Watch team, they were down in Frisco, and I was talking to him about Frank Gore, and he was like, man, this guy this guy's good hands. And – Frank Gore was down there and he was he was uh saying that you know that was like part of Frank Gore's game that he never really excelled in. So he's been always drilled with his son the importance of being able to catch the ball. And it showed throughout drills, it showed throughout practice. And 
Frank Gore at the end of the day, Frank Gore Jr., I know he went to South Miss. I don't know why he did not transfer. Maybe that's a positive that he's just kind of like that old school, I'm going to stick it out with my team type of guy, which I like, especially at running back. But this is the guy who has the all-time best game in a rushing game in bowl, bowl history, over 300 yards rushing, the most rushing yards in a bowl game ever. I don't remember what the bowl was. It's a it's a bowl that Southern Miss gets into. Let's call it that. But mega producer. Obviously, he has the bloodline. And from what I saw in the, at the Shrine Bowl, he's my running back nine. I think he's going to be safely in my top ten running backs throughout the process. Uh, I am now in on Frank Gore Jr. Um, so I want to plant my flag on that now, even though he wasn't in Mobile. I want to bring him up. And that's going to wrap up the show. We went through all the positions. We kind of connected it to our rookie draft. So that's why I wanted to get this a post a post all-star practice rookie prep episode getting us ready early i'll say in our rookie dress but it's time to start getting ready if you want to dominate your leagues if you want to use the knowledge of the players from saturday to dominate with the players that will eventually play on sunday that's why you come to blue chips it's where dynasty meets dev devi through the lens of college football what i'm going to start calling destiny because that's what devi and dynasty Put it into destiny, baby. I'm Matty Kiwoom. This is Blue Chips, and I will see you next time. Peace. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.